The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. One morning while making the rounds I took a shot of cocaine and I shot my woman down I went right home and I went to bed I stuck at love and 44 beneath my head Got up next morning and I grabbed that gun Took a shot of cocaine and away I run Made a good run but I run too slow They overtook me down in Juarez, Mexico Laid in the hot joints, taking the pill And walked the sheriff from Jericho Hill He said, Willie Lee, your name is not Jack Brown You're the dirty hack that shot your woman down And yes, so yes, my name is Willie Lee If you've got a warrant, just to read it to me Shut her down because she made me slow I thought I was her daddy, but she had five more When I was arrested, I was dressed in black They put me on a train and they took me back Had no friend for to go my bail They slapped my dieter carcass in that county jail Early next morning about a half past nine I spied a sheriff coming down the line Up and he coughed as he flared his throat He said, put it on you dirty hack into that district court Into the courtroom my trial began Where I was handled by twelve honest men Just before the jury started out I saw that little judge come as to look about in about five minutes and walked a man Holding the verdict in his right hand The verdict read in the first degree I hollered, Lordy, Lordy, have mercy on me The judge, he smiled as he picked up his pen Ninety-nine years in the Folsom pen Ninety-nine years underneath that ground I can't forget today I shut that bad bitch down Come on, you gotta listen unto me Lay off that whiskey and let that cocaine be These men have receptions, not locked He's a rambling and a rumbling Man, if there's ever a drug that's guaranteed to give you the blues, it's cocaine. It's, it's the cocaine. Yes. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> yep. And there's the Rick James quote right on schedule. <laughs> Welcome, folks. Welcome, one and all, to another edition of 
The Riffs and Rants podcast. Yes. yes. I am, of course, Johnny Teflon. And I am Michael Jean Lee. And we're here to hopefully entertain you with tales of ribaldry. Like that? Uh, I'll get back to you on that. Okay. All right. Uh, well, basically, yes. as one might attest to the opening gem, mm-hmm. we're going back to a court of law, boy. Yeah. In this case, uh, we arrived there courtesy of the good old man Johnny Cash. Uh, on his classic album, uh, Live from Folsom Prison, nice. circa 1968, with the tune Cocaine Blues. Mm-hmm. And we came upon that song as our intro, because in this very special episode, <laughs> that sounds creepy and <laughs> 80s-like. It kind of does. <laughs> well, this special, special means so many different special, things these right? days. So yeah. something bad's going to happen to somebody. Oh, and in this case, it did, but now it's all over. And we're talking, of course, about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Yeah. And here's what I'm going to throw out to everybody uh, right up front turn, before I turn it over to my uh, criminal co-pilot here. Hello. We're not going to regurgitate facts and figures and stuff because they just had a trial with that. Yeah, this is going to be more of an editorial kind of exactly. show. Exactly. Yeah. Just our little like observation on societal happenings. A little commentary. A little commentary. So why don't you take it away, sir? Well, you know, it. it first thing that struck me about this farce uh, was that Kyle Rittenhouse with what, seven, eight, nine different charges? And it was the pro- six. The yeah. prosecution <laughs> couldn't get a single one to stick. This is correct. You know, um, shit went down, uh, shots were fired, three people were hit, two people died. And Sounds like a Neil Young song. kind of does. And not one charge stuck. Right. I mean, do, do, do the words incompetent prosecutor suddenly leap to mind? Well, yeah. I mean... It, it, it's hard for any of us to digest, like you just said, six counts, two and a half dead people, yeah, and the kid walks away. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's not, you know, I look at it this way. I am not a fan of Kyle Rittenhouse. Right. And I am not planting the flags, uh, as many of my fellow conservatives are, yeah. on the whole right to bear arms thing, and he was there, and it was... You know, just, you know, using his voice, free speech and all that. Right. And, and he was there to protect life, liberty and property. Yeah. And well, that's the funny thing about this is he was a pawn in a, a much larger game. Well, that's what he wound up I being. I strongly doubt that he had any, uh, any understanding or any way to conceptualize the situation he was in. Right, because he's a fucking child. He's 17. Pardon my happened. I guess he's 18 now. Right, yeah. right. And it's, <laughs> yeah, again... Not one single charge. And, and, and it's funny because, and, and we do have to qualify this by the fact that unless you were in the courthouse at the time, we're right. getting all our information through the severely distorted perspective of whatever media. It's a jacked up prism. Yeah, that you're fond of. <laughs> you know, he's, you know, the kid's either a killer redneck, uh, if you read the left-leaning stuff, or mm-hmm. he's a citizen hero, Right. you know, for the for the... Uh, media that leans to the right. And I don't think, and I think you probably agree with me here, he's neither. No, neither one is yeah. accurate. Neither one is accurate. Thank God for them internets. Like I said, it, it, you know, he's a child, uh, granted a child with a loaded AR-15. Which I'm looking at that parent. Yeah. I say parent because all they've shown is the mom. I don't, I don't know what the deal with the father is. Yeah. And, you know, I, this is the time that, that I feel the need to remind everybody or inform people if they're not aware of this fact that in courts in the United States, 
you do not get justice. You get law. Mm -hmm. A big, big difference between the two. And anybody who is seeking some kind of justice, uh, forget it. You're not, you know, look elsewhere. And this was, like, to use a a pun, Exhibit A is this this verdict that we have. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the kid's life is ruined. Completely. And you could easily argue, well... It should be, because you got two and a half dead people yeah. right off the bat. Yeah, you killed people, plural, right. people. Now, if he wasn't there, him and his rifle, there wouldn't be two and a half dead people, at least not in that particular instance. Yeah, that's the bottom line right there. If right. he hadn't brought a gun to this situation, this extremely volatile situation, mm-hmm. um, whereas, you know, not only should you have not brought a gun, you probably shouldn't have even been there to begin with. Right. I think everybody at, at that point in time when this all transpired, everybody was quite aware of what was happening with these protests mm-hmm. and, you know, the eventual outcome, you know, the burning buildings, the looted stores. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Enough, I get the point. Um... You know, it doesn't matter which side you 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 fall down on. You know, the left or the right. That that's the eventuality of these things. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know what kind of meaning uh, people can you know pull out of it. I mean, I'm I'm just like every other good, hardworking American taxpayer. You know, I support everybody's right to protest. Uh, but there's a big difference between obviously protesting and burning shit down. Right. Right. And uh, and he launched himself right in the middle of this mess. And you and I, like like many things, disagree on this whole protesting thing. Um, I I look at at protesters, regardless of the cause, with disdain. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure, like how how deep it goes or where this comes from, but it's something I've I've just always felt since I was a teenager. You know. Okay. And it's just that it's. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. Yeah. And in this case, and we talked about this on our many podcasts as this civil unrest was going on. Yeah. Regardless of the reason, it doesn't give you carte blanche to go destroy a city. Oh, hell no. And hell no. it was that political attitude towards these events and the riots and the burning and everything that helped facilitate these bands of armed vigilantes. Message! Strolling into town because the police basically had orders to stand down. Yeah. Really, for no other reason than just not to make things worse, okay? Yeah, yeah. But appeasement never works. Right. This goes out to all those little Neville Chamberlains out there. <laughs> you will not necessarily have peace in your time. Yeah. And yes, study, study your history, people. Right. And, and when you take away the element of law and order, in this case, the police, you're leaving a vacuum for some other, in this case, self-appointed, vigilantism to come in and try and take his place. Yep. And bring a little parts down here. Hell, we got plenty of snakes and lizards for him to play with. There's no problem with that at all. So there are many, many factors to this case, which, of course, nobody's really going into. Oh, no. It's all they sh- see is this kid, yeah. you know, who's right now... Look, you and I got in our share of trouble when we were teenagers, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we didn't gun anybody down. Not to okay? the best of my recollection, no. <laughs> and, you know, this kid might have had crocodile tears in some of the other court sessions that they showed, but his reaction upon being exonerated, well, unless he's a Meryl Streep under a mask, <laughs> you can't fake that breaking down and falling to your knees, you know, thanking whatever God you worship because you know you just beat the system. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe he had some inkling. At that point in time of what he had gotten himself into. Yes. Uh, but still, you know, and you kind of touched on it there. This is a very, very complicated situation. You know, it, it's funny. It's human nature that we so want things to be black and white, mm-hmm. you know, up, down, 
you know, left or right, whatever. And they very, very rarely are. You know, in this particular case, you had uh, all sorts of different uh, considerations, all sorts of different potential repercussions from uh, protesting uh, police behavior mm -hmm. uh, to the whole, you know, uh, uh, progress or lack thereof of civil rights in the United States. Right. Um, just there's so many different factors to consider. And, and here you have this 17-year-old kid who does not have even the remotest possible chance of comprehending you know, the full extent of uh, the big picture, if you will. Right, right. And he goes wandering in the middle of this with an AR-15. Yeah. And I was watching um, The Five on Fox one day and yeah. really not expecting any, you know, bombastic opinions on the subject. I didn't even know where all these, these cats stand. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe as if he's, he's taking a cue from Bill Maher, but uh, Fox's resident Bill Maher, yeah. uh, Greg Gutfeld, went off on the fact that, and I, I'm going to paraphrase how he described it because it was, it was brilliant, yeah. um, how the media in a situation like this creates the doom of two choices. Interesting. And it's like, he was saying just what we're saying now, there's so many different facets this, and there's so many different people to blame. But rather than address that, the media creates a doom of two choices, and it's either you side with the kid, which means you're like a, a racist, mm -hmm. and you're all for gunning people down in the street, yeah. or you side against the kid, and that means they're automatically all about lawlessness and, and looting and burning cities, right. you know? Right. And really, when you dumb it down like that, yeah. it... it, it you know, you need to stay 30,000 feet away from it to look at it in these terms and then yep. realize yep. we're all being played. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just in that alone, the, the dumbing down, mm -hmm. as you so, uh, I think, spot on hit it. Uh, that'll give you an idea of, of what some of the participants consider the uh, commercial appeal mm -hmm. of this whole situation. You know, everybody, everybody's aware of the, 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 the need people have to... You know, like you said, break it down into a simple equation of, of black versus white or, or left versus right. And then, you know, wrap it up in a nice package, put a bow on it and sell it to the American right. public. And, uh, and it's just so, so much more. I mean, just the repercussions, the potential repercussions of the verdict, mm -hmm. for example, as far as this could get very, very complicated uh, and very, very quickly, even more complicated, I should say, than it already is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean... You know, people sitting at home don't have an understanding of the potential psychological damage uh, that occurs when one human being kills another human being. You know, we've seen this shit on the radio, uh, yeah, on the radio, on TV, in movies for you know so many years. This is not something that we consider. You know, the reality of the situation. Right. You know, I, you and I were actually talking shortly before the verdict came down, and I think we both agreed that no matter what happened, no matter what kind of verdict, this kid was fucked. Yeah, completely. you know, and it's and it's you know obvious the 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 dead people, you know, they're not coming back. Nope. You know, they're fucked. The dead know only one thing. It is better to be alive. You know, you got this this guy that uh, that was wounded uh, in the conflict. Might not walk again. Yeah, and apparently he was armed as well. Yep. I mean, it's just it 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 layer after layer after layer after layer, and I don't think we've we've even seen. Um, the repercussions that I'm making reference to. Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of message does this verdict send? Uh, you know, this, this, is this an okay now for any time some kind of a, a social unrest situation occurs mm -hmm. that everybody grabs their guns and, and heads on in right. and maybe you're not concerned 
you know, if you're one of these fucking idiots that, that doesn't see any issue with uh, using a weapon on another human being, mm-hmm. you know, have you just been given the green light to do so? Right, right. Uh, it just, it's just so I many- mean, I, I've often said, sometimes out of ignorance, sometimes out of pure frustration, yeah. you know, my motto with these protests is just fire into the crowd. You know, <laughs> you want them to disperse. <laughs> Trust me, nothing will break that shit up faster than a couple of live rounds. Uh, I but- think that has occurred on a few different occasions. <laughs> right. But I, I will I will settle for water cannons or rubber bullets. Yeah. Which have you seen the welt a rubber bullet leaves? <laughs> no, but I can imagine. I can truly really imagine. underrated as a deterrent. Yeah. Plus they got these microwave guns that the military has, where you right. just you know make you extremely uncomfortable when you're in the way of that thing. Yeah. But my my takeaway from this is that I am at peace with the verdict, simply because, and this this makes me part of the problem because. I don't want these verdicts to take the place of an ideology. I don't want the verdicts to make a statement. I want the verdicts to reflect the facts that the jury has had a chance to absorb and reflect on and get together as a group of 12 and decide in commonality what the proper punishment is. So in this case, I'm... Hey, if 12 people, if they're listening to all that and deliberating for three days, if they honestly feel he was innocent, like you said, they've probably seen and heard a lot more than, than we're aware of in this case. Yeah. And then so be it. But I have to say, Mike, that a part of me wanted the kid to get off once I saw and heard the crowds marching and chanting outside the courthouse within earshot, apparently, of where the jury is deliberating. Really? And this whole scuttlebutt of... Because the jury wasn't sequestered. They went back and forth to the hotel every day, so they were aware of things. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to live in a society as jacked up as our justice system is already. I don't want to live in a society where judgments are passed based on the mob mentality or peer pressure right. or how things look in print. Yeah. Well, I, I will again cite the, the, the reality of the fact that, uh, you know, we're not seeing justice here. We're seeing law. Mm-hmm. And that's that. It's not going to solve anything. If anything, it just made the situation, situation even that much more complicated. Yep. And uh, again, you know, the far-reaching consequences of this kind of thing. And yeah, in an ideal situation, in a, in a perfect world, you know, if you're the you know a juror um, sitting in on a case like this, you're not supposed to consider the potential repercussions. You're not supposed to uh, consider, you know, the, the the potential damage that your verdict could do to society. Right. That you should know, not be supposed, a concern. No, you should be focused on the case and and you know whatever's going on right in front of you. But we've gone so far past that situation now. Yep. Um, and, you know, this is another one of those situations where you, you can't get the shit back on the horse. Yeah. You know, we can't, can't go back. You know, so this is where we are now, and this is, this is where we're moving forward from. And what happens next? Yeah. You know, but it seems to be, you know, one of those things that that, that whole perception as a factor is it has, it has now successfully invaded the courtroom, and not just this case, but many cases yeah. of the same nature, yeah. where... You know, look, the whole George Floyd thing, that verdict in my mind's eye was much more about a statement than the facts at hand. Yeah. Okay. And that was just the beginning. And again, you could say for all the right reasons, yes, that had to get, you know, decided exactly the way that did. That guy has to go away. Yeah. But again, how much of that was 
just the facts at hand because yeah. it seems like everything else about either George Floyd's past or drug use at the time or any of that stuff was just kind of just thrown out. Yeah. It was about the cop's knee on his neck, which I'm not saying it, it shouldn't have been, all right? Yeah. But that takes place over just the, the facts and the drudgery that goes into a major case like this and just yeah. looking at all this, this not just testimony, because I watched a little bit of the trial and they were caught up in the minutia of, and I noticed from my design background, they're arguing about pixels, okay, right. that are added to these images when they are enlarged yeah. on these half-assed security cameras and drone cameras and how it changes like the color of the pixels. And I'm thinking to myself, this is like design theory 101. It has pixels? nothing to do with this case, yeah, okay? Yeah, how did, how did pixels get into the mix? Right, here? and even the judge at one point saying he was a little you know, inept when it comes to modern technology, but this is the standard stuff that's used in every case around the world just to enlarge the image. Yeah. And I can tell you, even just using uh, software from Adobe, you can't just enlarge an image without losing clarity yeah. or having to add stuff into it to flesh it out at a new larger size. Yeah. It's, it's there's, academic. There's a, there's a metaphor in here somewhere, you know, about about distorting the reality of the situation. <laughs> yeah. you know? And I and I will say, you know, go, coming back to or going back to something that uh, that you said earlier, um, I had to keep catching myself from wanting to see this kid hang. Right. You know, because that's that's and a good many of my friends do. They oh, hate I'm, this I'm, kid I'm, like he's Satan sure. himself. Yeah, and and that that couldn't, as far as I can see, that couldn't be more wrong on my part. Um, and you know, quite honestly, anybody that thinks that this kid got off, you're kidding yourself. Yeah, he's, you know? he's done. Yeah, this kid, this kid's life is ruined, um, for whatever that's worth. Um, there are worse things, I think, that can happen to you than. Uh, let's say a death sentence, mm. you know, and that is being forced to live with it. You know, you think this kid is going to have any sense of normalcy at any no. point in his, in his life going forward? And don't get me wrong, I don't have any sympathy for him. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's it's not debatable uh, the fact that if he had not shown up there with the AR-15, that none of this would have happened. Right. These two people would still be alive, most likely. And plus, it's inevitable that they're going to pull like, civil charges on him now, just yeah. like do it all these cases. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm getting so many flashbacks to OJ on this right. one. Right, right. You know, from, the, from, the, from the lens of the media, mm -hmm. you know, how could Marsha Clark and company not have found him guilty? Right. And, yeah, you saw what happened post-trial. Post um, apparently, we haven't had any riots that I'm aware of that are tied to this particular verdict. But there's a little unrest, but yeah, it's been pretty subdued. Yeah, so far. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, again, what is this going to uh, long term wise create? You know, what what kind of message has been sent uh, by these proceedings? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, what can we what can we extrapolate out of this as something somehow positive? Uh, have we proven that the, that the courts work? No, not really, I don't right, think. Right, Um, You know, obviously, I, you know, and anybody that's listening to the show for the last five minutes knows how much I love bashing mass media. You know, obviously, you know, they're, they're no better now than they ever were as far as being leeches, right. you know, to this kind of thing. I mean, it, you know, going through this and reading all the stories uh, surrounding it and the, the, the various media takes and the profiles and all this other bullshit... Um, completely get away from the, the, the meaning of this all or, or what is actually happening here. Somebody is on trial because two people are dead mm -hmm. and he shot him. 
you know, and it, it's so many more uh, factors right. were at play here that shouldn't have been. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the standard process, but at the end of the day, it, it just turned into a giant dog and pony show. Yeah. And uh, which was really our, our tie with Cocaine Blues because it's got a beginning and a middle of end. Yeah. And that's how all these things tend to work themselves out. But it just seems like in the good old days of, I don't know, 10 years ago, once a, a, a case was done, a case was done. Right. Okay. Yeah. And we just, we but just it's can't become leave. a farce now. It's yeah. become a complete yeah. and total farce. And uh, speaking of farces, like different but same related, because I just thought of it. Yes. Um, two more stories now this week. Classic true crime stories have reared their ugly head Here we for go. the thousandth time. Yeah. The Natalie Wood death. Let's not say murder. Let's say death. Right. And her, her sister writing a book, trying to blame it now on Kirk Douglas. <laughs> What? Right. Like, out of nowhere. I never heard this one before. But was, this he, is, was he even on the boat that night? I guess you got to buy the book to find out. That's how they're going to throw uh, the hook out there. Okay. Okay. So meanwhile, Robert Wagner's probably like, woof. <laughs> and Christopher Walken's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so Again. you're saying it wasn't me. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and the other one is they had a yet another deathbed confession. Uh, about the location of Jimmy Hoffa. I hadn't heard this. Yes, and uh, Fox was tooting their own horn because they had a little investigation where this came to light. The hitman's son said it. And uh, he said he had located it. uh, it, He was buried in a steel drum underneath an overpass bridge in Jersey City. The name of the bridge escapes me. But Fox went on its own and hired like a real... Oh, no. Superlative, you know, um, oh, no. metal detector. Yeah. And they went over the spot, and they did de- detect these uh, half-spherical objects in the ground, which they said, yes, matches the signature of steel drums. Oh, boy. So much, in fact, now the FBI has dispatched field teams, and they said, I don't know why they're waiting, but they're saying that come spring, they're going to do a dig at this location. And, <laughs> because they have no. credible evidence now because their best guess was at that site, but about 500 yards in another direction. Right. Now, after this guy says this thing, they're like, well, let's just give it a shot. So you mean he's not in the end zone of Giant Stadium? Apparently not. No uh, shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, you know, I mean, burying a mobster in Jersey City. Who knew? <laughs> it's such a vacation wonderland, especially under the overpasses. That's where all the cool oh, kids hang out. Of course. Of course. Woof. So, yeah, yeah that's... Uh, that's the state of things in the American justice system. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I, you know going back to the whole Rittenhouse <laughs> thing, I, I had a laugh at the way the judge was being portrayed. Oh, we'll get to him. Yeah. Or judges in general. Yeah. How, 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 how much of a buffoon <laughs> did he come off as? Save um, it. Save it. Yeah? Save it. Don't yeah. get away. Oh. Let's dip our toes in the middle gem. Okay. about that magic time. All right. All right. To get ourselves out of this, this quagmire of, of sincere thought and... Uh, I think we should do that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go whimsical. Shall we? Middle gem. What do you got, Johnny? Well, I got an oldie but goodie. All right. A little something by one of Johnny's favorite bands. This is so self-indulgent. A little ditty by the fabulous Thunderbirds. All right. Called Can't Judge a Book by Its Cover. So we're going to play that for you. And it's going to be all readily apparent once we're done and back as to why we played this tune. So we'll be back in a couple more minutes with some things and stuff. Judge an apple by looking at a tree. You can't judge honey by looking at 
Truly do. I truly do. It's good for the soul. That, of yeah. course, was the fabulous Thunderbirds. 
doing uh, an old-timey classic uh, made famous by Bo Diddley back in 62. All right. Can't judge a book by its cover. Nice. Nice. Uh, another interesting little fun fact about that song. Look at okay. me doing research and shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dusty Rhodes, professional wrestler. Yeah. Uh, used to use that as his entrance music in the, in the late <laughs> 80s, which really makes perfect that, sense. That, I was going to say, that seems very appropriate. It truly does. But yeah, I mean, you, you throw any of those, those bluesy... Rockabilly type songs in the direction of Fabulous Thunderbirds, and they're going to hit it out of the park every time. So we did that particular tune. Yes, <laughs> we extrapolated the word judge and forced it to make sense mm-hmm. because uh, we're going to do as a subtopic a little something we call "I'll be the judge of that." He's appointing himself judge, jury, and executioner. He's not judge, Judy, and executioner. He is. All right, <laughs> <laughs> and basically. Um, uh, Michael oh. and I got together and uh, we agreed that, especially uh, the last case, which we just commented on, judges in real life yeah. tend to be douchebags. They do. E- Ego-maniacal douchebags. I mean, going all the way back to Lance Ito with the OJ trial, yeah, this guy yeah. got a, a taste of stardom and just ran with it. Yeah, talk about some not ready for primetime players, right? man. Seriously. I mean, every time I've been in court, I've never had a judge with what we'll call personality. Yeah. So yeah. I don't expect that from a judge. I don't want that from a judge. And I always said to my friends, like, if I ever had to go to small claims court mm-hmm. and I got some smart-ass judge, like Judge Judy, oh, you know? Jesus. I yeah. would be like, who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah, Just yeah. sit there, preside over it, listen to the evidence, and move on. I think my most common refrain coming out of the <laughs> various uh, uh, court situations I've found myself in, in my life, myriad, most of yeah. my life, is, wow, what an asshole. Yeah. You Just get, uh, get me out of this room as quickly as yeah, possible. You yeah. know? It's so, dangerous when you give somebody uh, <laughs> any kind of juice, quite honestly. Yeah. Who has an ego like like these people tend to have, and and you got to say people now because it's not just the guys, it's the right. women. Sure, you know? and I think that's what it is. You, you nailed it. It's like people with powers of life and death or severe inconvenience. Yeah, should be. Uh, how did I put it in the uh, <laughs> in the uh, the program? And we worked this episode out in. Uh, opinions and flourish are for lawyers and judges should be dour-faced old relics whose hound dog eyes peer at you through the bifocals of pragmatism and fairness. Yes. Yeah, we're never going to see that. No. no, that's a pipe dream. No. Didn't you use the word douchebag in there? I probably did. Now, is that one word or two? Uh, one word. Is it one word? Yeah, not even uh, hyphenated. I got you. It's okay. a thing. Nice. So that being said, yes. we're going to wow you folks at home now with our top three favorite judges from... Stage and screen, yeah, uh, of all time. Wait, they're, are there any real ones on here? Let's just double no, check this. No, so. okay, no? just okay. stage and screen. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's it's kind of funny because you know you don't even really have to make caricatures out of judges to to get the full effect. Yeah, um, and yeah, a lot of the the fictitious judges out there really didn't differentiate too much as far as the ego factor from the real thing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I, I think we both have come up with a couple of, couple of amusing <laughs> examples. If nothing else, amusing. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you start us off there, Ken? You want me to lead off? Yeah, All right. I loved your choice, by the oh, way. Thank you very much. This is, uh, <laughs> again, this was, this was kind, of, kind of fun when, when I got your, uh, your text as far as let's work this into the show. <laughs> it was like, oh, yes, that's going to be some fun. Uh, so... My first choice, uh, damn near the first one that jumped out to mind, uh, was the character that uh, Sylvester Stallone played in the film of the same name, <laughs> Judge Dredd. I am the law! 
nice. <laughs> and uh, yes, little 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 sidebar. Some uh, friends of mine and I, uh, quite a few years ago, when this film was on the big screen, uh, imbibed in a little. Uh, I don't know how to put this. Let's Something that we, was illegal. We got a little psychedelicized. Let's just put it All that right. way. And went to the theater, saw this movie, came out of the movie thinking this was the greatest film <laughs> in the history. <laughs> Of film. Must I have mean, been, uh, what's his name, Rob uh, Schneider, that really just put it over the top for you. You know, I, I just <laughs> it, it blew Citizen Kane out of the water, was, was the opinion that we had at the time. And many years later, because Judge Dredd is going back a few years, mm -hmm. I managed to catch Judge Dredd while I was channel surfing late one night and thought, wow, cool, Judge Dredd, I love this film. <laughs> Watched it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you see the the remake done with Carl Urban as Judge no. Dredd? There's a remake of and this. Yes. Get out of here. And he he adds a great take on it. Yeah. Um. Same kind of story, same concept, and all that, but yeah. more serious. Wow. Okay. In fact, it mirrors another famous movie at the time. Oh, it's it's an Asian flick. Yeah. Where the cops go into this giant tenement. Oh man! It even spawned a sequel. It was it was so good. No kidding. Darn it! It escapes me ah, right now. Ah. But yeah, if you get a chance, see the remake. Like I said, totally different tone. That's that's funny that they would Much do a remake of this. Much more ultra realistic. Yeah, you know, credit where credit is due. The original was was campy as hell, and mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone did really show an ability to not take himself too seriously right. in playing this role. I mean, it really was. I think when I finally saw it a third time and balanced out the two extremes, that yep. I appreciated it for what it was. It's a fun film. And his, yeah, his look, his take on it kind of matches the tone of the comic book. Oh, it kind of matches the tone of a typical judge, you know. Yeah. I am the law. Yeah, and it's it's very British, ultra dry sarcasm and okay. satire. Okay. Um, and yeah, the whole thing without him ever saying in the comic book is, "I am judge, jury, and executioner," and yep. you better yep. toe the line. Yeah. And he, of course, is the most difficult judge out of all these different <laughs> ones. And uh, yeah, it just it just works. So. Yeah. And going back to the uh, the film, I believe Max von Sydow yes. was in it, which just automatically gives, gives a it film, a little cred. Right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely elevates the yeah. film. I think um, Armand Asante was a bit much, a little, little over the top. Yeah, a little bit. But then again, bit. he's not exactly Olivier, so no. And I think that's really <laughs> what the what the job called for yeah you know we're not we're not making gone with the wind here <laughs> you know we're, we're not trying to knock citizen Kane out of the box despite you know what audiences for the film may have indulged in beforehand sure so yeah his his being over and he definitely was over the top yeah um just fit it yeah. fit it, it definitely worked <laughs> so good fun on that one good fun all right so, so what do you, uh, yeah what do you got here john well, my low-hanging fruit first one that came to mind actually both of our First one that came to mind was yeah. Fred Gwynn from my cousin. Yes, Vinny. yes. <laughs> the two you Utes. Say Ute. <laughs> yeah. But uh, right after that, for me, was uh, Judge Harry from the show Night Court. Okay. In the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. And just seemed like a little over the top, obviously, because it's a comedy. But yeah, you've got to see everything working that shift in New York City. Oh, man. Yeah. With the just booking them one after the other after the other. Yeah. So it just it just worked. Yeah. <laughs> not, not that sitcoms were ever meant to educate people, but. I had no no uh, 
knowledge of the fact that such a thing as a, as a <laughs> night court yep. uh, existed, let alone a night court judge. Yep. So that was kind of interesting. And, and actually, in the fun. same vein as like a Barney Miller, everything that show was dirty and yeah. used, you yep. know, like stains on the walls. And it just wasn't a kind of place you'd want to hang out. Yeah. But the, interesting, the colorful characters. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Good stuff. Good what do you stuff. got, brother? All right. Uh, second choice that came to mind, um, and there's a nod to the guy who, uh, who, who played the role in the film. Uh, Judge Mails from Caddyshack. Oh, an all-time favorite. Yeah, yeah. Looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Uh, the world needs ditch diggers, too, I believe, was the, uh, the classic. How about a fresca? Yeah. <laughs> was, was the classic line from that film. And what was what was that actor's name? That was... Uh, that was uh, Ted Knight. Ted Knight, yes, yep, yes. Yep. The immortal the, Ted Knight. Yeah, the late, great... And boy, yeah, he he was in perfect the, foil for Roddy Dangerfield. Yeah, <laughs> as far as the type of humor, you know that uh, that those films made by those guys, those were the Saturday Night Live guys, right? Yep. Harold Ramis and 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 et cetera, Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, a, a nod to Ted Knight uh, and his acting chops. He fit right in. Yeah, you know, he totally got the comic zeitgeist that worked there and nailed it. Yep. You know, nailed it hard. So. Good fun, good fun. Good fun and good right. choice, too. Eminently quotable. Uh, what do you got, John? Well, my next one is, I, I kind of went off the rails on this one, okay. but it's something that's stuck in my memory. The original uh, Miracle on 34th Street okay. with little Natalie Wood. Classic. They're, uh, if you remember, at the end, the, the case against Chris Kringle has boiled down to, is he insane or is he isn't? Right, you know, insane. Right, right. And uh, the assistant to the judge there was the guy that played Fred Mertz in Isle of Lucy, mm-hmm. and he's kind of saying, "Look, if 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 you judge this this kindly old man as like insane or as a criminal, you know, your yep. career is over. You're shot." Yeah. So this yep. guy, this judge is sweating. He doesn't know what to do. Uh-huh. So the defense attorney presents all this mail on the last day to the court. Um, Saying, look, all the stuff they're they're sending it to Chris Kringle. So, oh. so the judge jumps all over this and says, "Well, that's it. If the post office says it's Chris Kringle, then I guess <laughs> it is." Hits the gavel and runs his ass out of there, you know. But I love it. He's an opportunist, you yeah. know. Yeah. If the post office says, <laughs> because yeah, the post office is it, are the go-to guys. For just such a situation as this, yep. obviously, obviously. Time to beat feet, exit stage left. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> All right. Back over to you, sir. Yes, okay. Well, this uh, this was my number one choice um, for reasons that will become clear pretty much right now. Uh, <laughs> again, given my, uh, my scant experience uh, with judges over the years, <laughs> I thought... I th- <laughs> That's a word, isn't it? Yeah. I thought this was very, very appropriate. Uh, for my number one choice, I'm going with the judge from the Pink Floyd film, The Wall. Wow. Do you remember that film? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did a little research, and a descriptor uh, of the judge uh, depicted him as a giant pair of buttocks <laughs> with two backward-facing legs, an anus for a mouth, and a scrotum. Talk about chin. serendipity, because uh, from what I understand, uh, that's exactly how you view most judges. And if I ever appear before <laughs> one that's heard this broadcast, I'm going to wind up in the electric right? chair. It looks like something out of a Hieronymus Bosch painting. And just so appropriate. <laughs> just, just so very appropriate. And I think we have Roger Waters to thank for that. Yes. And, uh, and whoever did the animation <laughs> on that particular film. But yeah, I really thought that nailed it. Just nailed it. Wow. <laughs> 
So, Johnny, what do you got for a number one? Well, clearly, I mean, there's no topping that. <laughs> but uh, something that always stuck at me from a, from a child till now, which is okay. why I never really wanted to be in front of a judge of any kind, right? were the floating head judges from the Superman movie. Oh, <laughs> in yes. In the very beginning when they judge General Zod and his cohorts. Yep, yep. Guilty. Guilty. Oh, And it's just man. their wrinkly old British face yep, <laughs> is floating yep. in midair. Guilty. Guilty. Yeah, blown up to be about, you know, a hundred times right, right. the size. And, and they didn't present the case or anything. No. And I was just like, this is him, this is what he did. They yeah. was like, guilty, guilty. Yep. Guilty. And then, of course, the flat piece of glass comes flying in from outer space and <laughs> zaps him into the phantom zone. Yes, with, with none other than Marlon Brando looking on. Of course, of course. You know. So I think really, you know, they should like use that recording of them just saying, guilty, <laughs> at every single trial anywhere. Guilty. And the judge just goes silent and kind of does a wave of the hand to the teleprompter. Yeah. And they just turn it on 11. Guilty. <laughs> Cue sound, <laughs> right? boom. Yeah. Dim the lights, bailiff, take them out. I like it. I like put them it. on a piece of glass. Yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> so that in a nutshell, folks, was this version. <laughs> God, we're laughing too much at this. I'll be the judge of that. Nice. Guilty. Brought like to you it. by the good folks at the Rips and Rants podcast. Of course. That Oof. was good fun. Good fun. We, I think we needed to loosen it up a little bit. We did. Yeah. Because right now, there's so much shitty shit going on. I'm telling you. Is that is that hyphenated shitty, shitty shit? shit? Yeah, I think that's a uh, uh, very accurate description. Let's make a musical about that with Dick Van Dyke and call it shitty shit shit. <laughs> <laughs> that being said. Bit of a reach, but okay. Right. It's time for our third gem of the day. Nice. And I know you got this one nice. well in hand. I think it's 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 definitely time uh, to get a little loose, you know, and shake it off. Uh, I think this this song, you know, just like everything else this artist wrote. It's just terribly, terribly appropriate um, to a lot of different things that are going on in the world these days. Sure. And, uh, and of course, I'm, I'm making reference to the late, great Warren Zevon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this is, and lawyers, guns, and money. A plaintive cry for help, if you will. <laughs> Enjoy this tune, folks, as we take a brief respite. And we'll be back with you in a couple more minutes to help wrap things up. And a hard place And I'm down 
Went home with the waitress, been there. The way I always do. Right. Yeah. I didn't know she was with the Russians, though. That I've never encountered that I know of. Yeah, yeah. That's one of those things. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, as, uh, as, we were, uh, as we were saying, before we, we, we segued into gem number three, that was Warren Zevon with Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Yep. And uh, is there anything that guy wrote that wasn't iconic? Just you know. whimsical, sometimes in a, in a dark fashion. Yeah. I mean, when you can name a song Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner <laughs> and still have it be whimsical, I yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, that was the closing track off the uh, 1978 Warren Zevon album, Excitable Boy. Mm-hmm. You know, another that incredible great tune. tune. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you can tell a lot about a song by who's covered it. And uh, this song in particular has been covered by a diverse list of artists. uh, Really? That included Rick Derringer, uh, The Wallflowers, uh, Widespread Panic. Really? Of course, their version was probably 10 minutes long. At least, if not longer. (laughs) And uh, and this was actually done by Hank Williams Jr. as well. No shit. Wow, that's pretty uh, eclectic. Yeah. Mix there. Yeah, some universal themes. Now, to to take a step back, um, jam band aficionado that you are, are you surprised that I've seen Widespread Panic in concert? Uh, Yes and no. Um, (laughs) You know, if if I was to believe uh, the cliche about the conservative white guy, (laughs) <laughs> um, then yes, maybe I would, but I think I've known you long enough to know that that you don't fall into any uh, overly convenient cookie cutter type uh, definition of. Well, you're half right, half right, half right. Because well, I I did see them, but it was as a uh, uh, return tete a tete with a friend of mine who I dragged to see Cake. Okay, okay. So he went Wait to a minute. concert. Go with to see me. what? Cake. 
Kink? The band. Oh, Kink. Cake. Yeah, Cake. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so then it was it was his choice. He's like, all right, John, you, you introduced me to this band. I yeah. like them. He's like, I'm going to pick one now. All right. And working in Philly at the time, there was always an abundance of good shows to go to there in, in the city. Yeah. So we actually uh, did. We went to go see um, Widespread Panic at the Tower Theater back in, <laughs> I want to say, oh, 08 or 07, something nice. like that. Yeah. Nice. Well, you know, it's it's yet another example of... The common ground that you and I share. So yep. many, so many people focus these days on what makes people different, what separates people. But you know, yours and my common ground, regardless of our, our respective political uh, affiliations and and our political opinions, our common ground is good music. Music, sure. And uh, and if life was only that simple, yeah. You know, it doesn't get much better than Warren Zevon. And you know, widespread panic. Of course, I have you know, the utmost degree of respect for. And, and knowing your uh, respect for good music and your taste in music, at the end of the day, no, nah, it doesn't surprise me that you've seen them. Yep. I mean, what I remember, because the, the, the pot smoke was literally, <laughs> literally thicker than pea soup in there. Yeah. But out of courtesy to, I guess, the people that didn't smoke pot, they waited until 30 seconds into the first song oh, to good. really just blaze right. up in mass. Nice. Well, they must have known you were there, John. <laughs> you know, let's give them 30 seconds to adjust, folks. <laughs> 29, 28. I can't see my hand. <laughs> How about a fresca? <laughs> nice. So that is that. All right. <laughs> so anyway. It's that magic time of the show where you yes. say to me, John, what, what's going on John, in Big Boom Radio? what have we got going on in Big Boom Radio this week? Well, yes. not a whole lot except okay. for a little bit of an anniversary of sorts. All right. Our flagship show, the Rockabilly Rumble, yes. turns Six. Wow. Uh, actually, no. Turns five okay. on air. It's actually closer to seven years altogether, but five years on the air on BigBoomRadio.com. Nice. So it's still like a little something. You know, considering the lifespan of most internet radio stations is about a year or two max. max. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're still doing something right. Nice. I don't know. Nice. Well, the Rockabilly Rumble is a classic example of, you know, good music will survive. Yeah. And it will in... in Quite a few cases, it'll flourish as well. Yep. And uh, and yeah, you know, good rockabilly, unlike it. Yeah. Unlike it, it, it surprised me. I, I did a page for the Rockabilly Rumble a couple years ago on, on Facebook. Yeah. And I have a couple different, shall remain nameless, things <laughs> on, on Facebook. Okay. The response to the Rockabilly Rumble dwarfed, like all of them put together. Wow. As far as people like jumping on and everything. And it's got like 600 some odd likes at this point. Nice. But it's just, people just immediately responded to it. Yeah. And it could have been some of these suggestive uh, promo pieces that I've done for it. <laughs> because that was part of the original charm of it, is that there would always be these advertisements featuring scantily clad, tattooed rockabilly girls. Yes. That's really not changed a whole lot over the years. No. But yeah, people respond to that because beauty is beauty. Absolutely. Or whatever and, they and, say. And, yeah, it's art. It's, it's artwork. Right. Yes. <laughs> So that's what's going on here. Of course, you know, always uh, new shows trickling through. Yep. This week on the Classic Rock Showcase, the debut of the Smashing Pumpkins. All right. As well as the Jam. So nice. I got them bookending the week. Good stuff. Yeah. So this would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And otherwise, just keeping on trucking, doing the same old thing. All right. Don't forget, folks, if you've got an idea for a show or a topic or you want to make fart noises and record it, just send us an email, <laughs> please, at John at BigBoomRadio.com, and we'll consider 
all your selections. A little feedback, yeah. right? Or if we've said something grossly, not just grossly, but grossly inaccurate, okay, uh, and you wish to comment on that, like our good friend, little uh, Myra Goldstein, that out of little Sushita, shucker, uh, Iowa, yeah, yeah, right, that little shucker. <laughs> uh, you could do that as well too. We're welcoming criticism because we want to be the best we can for you. Absolutely. Did I just say that with a straight face? I think you did. I think it's time to go. I think it's time to have a drink. All right. So on that note, folks, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side. I've got a little poem that I'd like to read in honor of this occasion, if I may. It's hard to get your foot off the boat. It's easy to grin when your ship comes in and you've got the stock market beat. The man worthwhile is the man who can smile when his shorts are too tight in the seat. <laughs> okay, Pookie, do the honors.